Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Chris Waters with Waters International Realty in Austin, Texas. Last year, he closed 427 transactions with a total sales volume of $103 million and $3.2 million in gross commission income. His average sales price was $243,000, of which 40% were buyers and 60% were sellers. Chris has a 20-member team, 12 buyer agents, 2 listing agents, 5 admin staff, and 1 team leader. Chris Waters is the team leader of the Waters International team. He's been an agent for 10 years. In this call, Chris talks about his fast start as a buyer agent on a team. Then, with very little experience, starting his own independent brokerage, building it for a year, and then burning it down when the model did not work. Building a new organization from scratch based on the team model. Within a few short years, the new model netted a million dollars. Recognizing that team success is dependent on the right people being on the team. Finding team members that have the same core values and match the culture. Interviewing new agents while looking at them through your client's eyes. Phone prospecting for new agents and the script he uses. The qualifying process for new team members. Investigating the success trajectory of the agent applicant. The 30-day ramp-up training program for all agents new to the team. Realizing you cannot manage people, but you can manage standards. Weekly 411 accountability meetings. Culture, leadership, team dynamics, compensation, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Chris. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Chris. It's great to have you here. Chris, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. So about 11 years ago is when I got into real estate. Prior to real estate, I was a college student. I was a finance major. And while in college, I had a lawn mowing business. And I had a customer all through my four years of college that worked for Keller Williams and ran a team. And as I was kind of in my final senior semester of college, he was asking me what I was going to do when I graduated. And so I started going on interviews in the financial world, investment banking, various things like that. And I realized very quickly as I was kind of going through the interview process, trying to find a job after college, figure out what I was going to do with myself. I realized I really had this entrepreneurial bug and working for somebody else and playing by somebody else's rules just didn't really sit well with me. So as I got to speaking with this guy that ran this team at Killer Williams, I started thinking, you know, this was something I really wanted to 
get involved with. I love the fact that no day's the same and you get to, you know, uh, kind of master a lot of different elements of business from marketing, sales, you know, all the, all the stuff behind the scenes you got to do to build a business. And so right after graduating, joined this team and I was 21 at the time going on 22. And, you know, I just probably any 21 or 22 year old, I didn't have a lot of humility. And so needless to say, I was not coachable at all. Um, in my three to four months there, I sold a number of houses. I think I closed on a dozen homes or so, which I found out later in later years that that was actually pretty good. But when I was in the, in the moment, I didn't really think I was doing anything that special. And when I said earlier, I didn't think I was very coachable. About three to four months in, I was a buyer's agent working internet leads and doing open houses and selling my sphere. And I was going to all these KW classes that were teaching me I, I needed to go build a listing inventory and I was on the books and it was all about, you know, listings, leads and leverage. And here I was a buyer's agent on this team and what I was learning at KW was contrarian to what I was actually doing. And so I kept going to my team leader and saying, Hey, it sounds like I need to work on building listing inventory and you know, I want to start prospecting expireds and withdrawns and get clients that way. He was telling me very nicely, you know, hey, you've only been in this three to four months. You need to take a step back and master the buyer agency side, get really confident with the contracts and the process and gain the market knowledge, do a great job for the customers. And, you know, I just, I wasn't coachable. I wasn't willing to have a little patience and embrace my mentor at the time, what he was telling me to do. And so I remember like it was yesterday on a Saturday, I literally started prospecting expired, set an appointment. And on Sunday, I go on the listing appointment. I win the listing and I turn it in on a Monday to my team leader and quit. And I almost entirely got out of the industry. I had gotten a job offer to go into the oil and gas industry. So this was 2007. And it was kind of real estate related. You know, my job was to go and find the people that own the mineral rights and get them to sign an oil and gas lease and do all the title work behind the scenes to make sure we're, you know, getting the right people to sign the oil and gas lease. And so I kept my license active, but I parked it at some small brokerage shop. And for the next two to three years, I was a part-time agent. I was helping random friends here and there, but wasn't active at all. And then in 2009, the oil and gas market crashed. The price of natural gas was like 13 bucks per MCF, and it went down to like $3. So a huge crash. They laid off like a thousand people. And so my job was gone. And so I still had my real estate license. And I had also saved up quite a bit of money to, um, you know, do something with between 2007 and 2009. And so I invested in a bar and restaurant and bar and restaurant was a complete disaster. I should have just stuck with real estate and found a way to find success in real estate. But for whatever reason, I had an ambition to go open up a bar and restaurant. Well, to be totally honest with you, I'll tell you why I did that. I was trying to research what all went up when the market went down and alcohol sales historically 
skyrocket when the market goes down. And I don't know if you remember this, Mike, but in 2009, in the summer of 09, that's when like the Dow Jones hit like 5,000 and it was like panic and hysteria. Do you, do you remember that? Oh, yeah. So market crashes. I go all in on a bar and restaurant. It was a complete disaster. We were open like, let's see, nine months. And I burned through all my cash. I had literally no cash left. And then even went in debt to keep the place going and keep it open. And fortunately, my now wife, she at the time was my girlfriend, uh, let me sleep on her couch. And I had to very quickly figure out what to do to make money. And I just wasn't one willing to go back and live with my parents. I was 25 at the time. And so the only thing I really knew how to do really well was anything sales related. Just it wasn't that I was a great salesperson, but I just was willing to apply the effort to do whatever it took to succeed. So I started cold calling experts again and kind of slowly built up my listing inventory and uh, worked my sphere of influence. So this is end of 09, 2010-ish. And I had also subsequently kept my real estate license active, as I was saying. And so in the summer of 2010, I was able to get my broker's license and in 2010 started a team. So that's kind of the free real estate, kind of building up to real estate. That's kind of the sequence of events to answer your question. You got back into real estate. You started up this little brokerage and you started rolling. How did it go that first year? You had been up and down through some different business relationships and lessons, but how did that first year in 2010 go? You know, for me personally, as an agent, not as a broker or team leader, it went super well. I think in the very first year back, I sold just shy of like 40 houses. So super, super well. But what was incredibly frustrating was at the end of the first year, as kind of a team leader or broker, if you will, I think we sold somewhere between 75 and 100 houses. And so nearly half of those I sold by myself. and I had recruited 15 salespeople. I think it was like somewhere between 15 and 20 salespeople that I recruited to join. And so I literally sold half of all of our sold properties. And I'm not bragging about that. I'm just a testament to how bad I suck as a team leader and trainer and <laughs> all those types of things. So I guess on one side, did pretty good from a personal production perspective, but from a team building perspective, it was horrendous. When you came back in in 2010, you said you got your broker's license. Were you running an independent company at that point? Yep. So I I just literally, I was so ignorant at the time. I mean, I look back now and I'm like, God, I had no clue what I was doing. I literally went and sat for the broker's exam, filed the document with the Texas Secretary of State and created a corporation and set up a virtual office with Regis and started going on a recruiting bandwagon, trying to get people to join the team. And in 2010, I had a lead generation system called Boomtown. And I know everybody listening to this all knows who Boomtown is now. At the time, not many people knew what Boomtown was. And so I was generating hundreds and hundreds of leads. And so I why I went out to recruit so many salespeople was to be able to distribute the leads that were coming in. So that first year you were independent, you were bringing in these salespeople because 
you were generating internet leads from Boomtown. And the question that I have for you on that is, were you running it as a team or you were you running more like a traditional brokerage or were you starting to blend the two? You know, why was everybody having such a hard time that first year? These 15 salespeople, they weren't being very productive. Is that because you were just starting to put together a team model or because you were running it more like a traditional brokerage where they were going to generate their own business? Yeah, great question. So the way I set it up originally was back then, I didn't even know what I was doing. I didn't know what the model was. But now that I've got some foresight and hindsight, I was setting it up very much like a traditional broker. So I was giving out internet leads and it was a 50-50 split with the agents for the internet lead. And then with their sphere of influence, I was offering a 80-20 split. And then I did a lot of like virtual coaching. Like I would host these webinars once a week and try to teach people like marketing and different things to grow their business. Because I've just always been kind of fascinated with marketing and things you can do to generate leads. And so I didn't have a lot of infrastructure in place to help the agent succeed. So I wasn't offering a lot of sales training and we didn't even have a physical office, which is why I did a lot of webinars. And so at the end of that first year, when I mentioned I had sold like 50% of the homes out of the 15 person sales team, at the end of that first year, I decided to burn it all down and go a totally different direction. And so I didn't know it at the time, but I, ended up pivoting to the team model. And actually one of those 15 agents, his name was Brad, and he's actually the co-author of a book I just finished writing. And I asked Brad, I said, hey, Brad, you naturally and just kind of organically always volunteer to help other people on the team. I said, how would you feel about becoming our buyer agent team leader? And being in charge of recruiting and selecting the people and training, leading and kind of motivating them on the buy side. And you'll bring on the salespeople that are work and try to convert all the leads we have coming in through Boomtown. And then I will go work on building up the listing inventory and building up the listing side. So at the time I didn't really understand, you know, that we were going to this team model. I just, I knew that the traditional brokerage didn't work. The profit margins were horrible there's no like consistent experience for the consumer. So, and I know this now, this kind of holds true for most of the big box brokerages is, you know, you can work with three different agents at the same company and get three totally different experiences. And so that really kind of boggled my mind and kind of bothered me a little bit because, you know, one of the things in my first year of, of building the company that really bothered me was felt like I had a lot of mediocre people around me. And in hindsight, it wasn't that they were mediocre. I was, again, just a terrible team leader. But the thing that was really important to me moving forward that I kind of identified in that first year was I wanted to work with a group of people that want to operate at a high level and do an amazing job for their client. And so that's where the vision really began. And that's when I went down the path of building what most people know of as the team model underneath an independent brokerage, completely unaffiliated with any major real estate brand chain or name. And so that's really where it all started. So Chris, it sounds like in about 2011, you started building the team model. You've built it up over about five year period where it became rather large and significant. 
what I'd like to do, and we're going to come right back to the story, actually, but before we do, I want to give some people some stats from last year to give them perspective of what you did. And if I understand correctly, last year in 2016, your team there, your core team, sold 427 homes worth 103 million, 103. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. Do you recall what the GCI was on that? It was just over 3 million. I think it was uh, roughly 3.2 million in GCI. That is amazing. And by the way, how many people were on that team last year to make that happen? So I had 12 buyer agents, two listing agents, and uh, five administrative staff. Wow. All right. So I'm counting about 17 people. 17 people, you sold 427 homes, had a great volume and GCI, and six years earlier, basically had right around you know, 15, 16 people, and you sold maybe 80 homes. So you learned a lot along the way on how to make people very efficient. And I'm, I'm trying to think, what's the multiple there? About five, about 500% increase with the same number of people. I think you have a pretty good story to tell here. And so my next question is, what happened between 2011 and last year to have such a dramatic increase in the efficiency of the people on the team? It's a great question, and it really begins with the people on the team and the who. So I think that's probably the most important part is identifying the right people to join your team. I mean, that's number one. To be totally honest with you, last year was a down year for us. We had the year prior sold 500 houses and done 4 million in GCI. I can probably expand on the reason we saw a decline here in a minute. But to answer your question, it really boils down to the who. So, like the mistake I made in 2011, 2010, 2011, was that the people that our team were, were part time, they weren't fully committed to their career and the job of being extraordinary agent. So the number one thing is finding people that are 100% committed to their career and to your company, your team, and making sure that they're, this is kind of an X factor, a cultural fit. So, you know, I, over the course of several years, I kept hearing the word culture, 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 didn't really quite understand what it meant. i I had flew out to Zappos. They do a really cool culture camp at Zappos in Las Vegas and read a bunch of books. And in the beginning, I remember thinking it was basically throwing a bunch of parties and, you know, trying to do stuff. And what I later realized is that is all artificial and not really what creates culture. And kind of the foundational piece of what builds culture is aligning yourself with people that have similar core values. And as time progressed, between 2011 and probably the three to four years after that, was I kind of realized that our group, the people that stuck around and the people that had a lot of success, I started kind of seeing this pattern in terms of like what made all of us kind of connected. And that's when I started realizing like it was these internal core values for each of us human beings that is what caused our team to be connected and for a lot of different people on our team 
you know, to find success and why we were all kind of similar. So to answer your question, number one, it's all about the who, making sure you got full-time, fully committed agents. Number two, the culture piece, identifying what your own personal core values are and making sure that you find people with similar core values and, and your team is in complete alignment. So that was probably the biggest piece. There's other kind of bases, if you will. Like if you think about it, like playing baseball, the life of an agent or a team, for example, first base is generating leads. Second base is converting the leads. Third base is servicing the customer. And home base is creating a raving fan, doing an amazing job for them and, you know, building a database past clients. That's kind of the, the run of the bases, if you will for any agent or team, but the X factor that makes all of those bases irrelevant is all about the, the who and the culture of that team. And with the right people, no matter what your challenge is, whether it's lead generation, lead conversion, servicing the customer, getting a deal closed and building a client database of raving fans, no matter what your challenge is, if you've got the right who, and culture and alignment of core values, you can crush any of those bases and your team will help you figure it out. So like 2011, 2012, teams, I got really into the weeds, like trying to figure out lead generation and got way too nitty gritty and all those little details. And I think we could have scaled and grown even faster if I knew what I knew now about the importance of leadership and your team's alignment of core values and selecting them. So those are the foundational differences between the team I told you about with roughly 15 people, 15, 20 people that did 80 deals and the team now that'll do over a hundred million in sales in a single year. Let's break that down a little bit. You talked about finding the right people, the who. Now let's talk about how you do that. How would an agent go out today to find the right people? What is the process? So it's very much like lead generation. There's a proactive and a reactive path to find talent. And again, just like lead generation, the reactive path is plastering a bunch of ads out there, right? Like posting job ads on Craigslist, LinkedIn, different recruiting platforms, spending money to let people in the community know you're hiring. That's what I call reactive, right? Just like lead generation, you throw it out there and you wait to see what comes back. And then the proactive approach is to actively prospect people that are licensed agents or people you get referred to that other people say, you know, are are talented individuals and kind of on the upward trajectory in life. So we utilize both. In 2011, when I didn't have the money to pay for advertising, I was literally just going through the roster of licensed agents in our city and calling up agents and saying, hey, my name's Chris Waters. I'm a local real estate broker here. I'm in a really unique position. I've got more leads than I can handle right now. I was curious if you have any interest in growing your business. And if so, what work better mornings or afternoons for us to get together? So super basic script. That's what I said over and over. There's a numbers game. I you know, would call 100 people, get a couple appointments set. So Literally, we still do that exact same process till today, but the difference is now I have leadership in place that help us be proactive in prospecting agents. So 
if you're listening to the call, you're thinking like, what do I got to do to grow my team or build my team? Those are really your two overarching paths is the proactive approach of prospecting and then the reactive, which is plastering ads over your town or online or whatever. In my honest opinion, I think you need to do both. You need an abundance of talent to draw from. You don't want to be coming from a place of limitation and hiring people that aren't a good cultural fit or aren't fully committed and full-time in the business of helping buyers and sellers. So those are the two strategies I recommend. Okay, so that brings in leads. However, you don't know if they're any good or not. You don't know if they're going to be productive. You don't know if they're going to match your culture. What happens after you start to get the lead flow of agents coming into your business? How do you screen and qualify those folks to find out the people that are going to be a good match for your team? It's a great question. You know, I screwed this up so many ways humanly possible. And, you know, you may call me in a year and I've tweaked it a little bit, but I think we've got it down pretty good now. My average listing agent is selling 90 to 120 houses in a single year. So basically, when we have somebody come in our office to meet for the first time, it's super simple. I put myself in the shoes of a buyer or seller and I treat it like as if I'm, you know, one of the leads I'm going to possibly give them in the future, right? Like, how would I feel meeting this person for the first time if I was a lead, if I was a buyer or seller? So it's treating it really simple just like that because, you know, if you're giving this person on your team leads or referrals, like put yourself in the shoes of a buyer or seller. How do they make you feel? So that's number one. Number two, just try to go through kind of a comprehensive questionnaire around, you know, what makes this person tick. There's a great tool out there called it's by Darren Hardy, who wrote the book, The Compound Effect. And I believe it's called The Comprehensive Core Value Questionnaire. It's a free tool he has online. And that's a great tool to use to like pull some questions out of there to try to understand like what makes this person tick to try to identify the things internal to them that they really value. So that's something I spend some time on uh, just to get to know them more as a, as a person. It's a lot less about their performance as a salesperson and how many homes they sold in the last 12 years. It's really just about kind of understanding what makes them tick. The other thing I look at is I ask everybody, tell me about from the point in which they graduated high school till current day today. I try to understand year by year, kind of the major ups and downs and events of each year after they graduated high school. And I try to understand, is this somebody on the upward trajectory in life? Or did they just go through some like major event in their life? For example, death, divorce, financial distress, something that has them kind of going on the downward slope that could possibly affect their career trajectory. So those are the basics of kind of the initial interview. To be totally honest, I've done it multiple ways where we did this like crazy, like three, four, five step face-to-face interview process. And where I'm at right now, is it's a little bit more, I don't want to call it an open door policy, but like that initial interview, again, it's just about putting myself in the shoes of a buyer or seller and then understanding what makes them tick from a values perspective and make sure they're fully committed to doing real estate full-time and finally that they're on that upward slope from a trajectory perspective. Beyond that, it's kind of an open door policy. I use that term a little loosely. I know some 
shops and some brokerages and you say open door, literally they'll take anybody with a heartbeat. Not exactly like that. But what I've realized is you don't actually know how someone's going to do on your team until you actually see them performing, like making phone calls, talking to customers, working the lead management system. It's through their actions when you actually see, you know, you can kind of have a bearing on what their future success is going to look like. So we have this 30-day agent ramp-up program that we take everybody through, no matter how long they've been in the industry. Most of the people that join our team, they've been in the industry for, they're either new or they've been in the industry for less than two years. We do occasionally have people that, for example, relocate from another city and they know how hard it is to build a business and to get their pipeline going. So that's another kind of third type of person we'll have come on. But we take everybody through this 30-day agent ramp up and there's very specific performance standards we put in place. So at minimum, they have to have 40 contacts every single week. Like what I mean by contact is they have to have a conversation with somebody and they're either identifying it as somebody that's like a potential nurture lead, or it's just somebody that they could add to their database. They just grab it and move on. So 40 contacts. The goal though is 75. So I have 75 conversations with people. So we give them a database of leads to work, people that have like come into our system and they're on our website, but you know, for whatever reason, we haven't been able to reach them or they've been in the system for a long time. So those are the, the databases we haven't worked. And so it's through that 30 day kind of ramp up program, we learn, you know, based off their actions, how well they're going to do on the team. So when, when we're interviewing people, I know, for example, like if I want four people to start on day one, I actually need to make a job offer to six people. And then out of those four people that physically come in the office and start that ramp up program, out of those four, I can expect I'm going to lose between one and two of them at the end of 30 days. What's interesting is most of them end up leaving on their own. Like they come in here and we tell them about the performance standards and they realize like, this is not what they thought real estate was all about. And the idea of time blocking and prospecting and building your pipeline, nurturing leads, all these things, that wasn't their expectation when they got in the industry. And so most of them end up leaving because it's kind of an aha moment for them. So for the rest of the people that don't end up making it, it's typically because of some core value issue. Like for example, like the negative Nancy type, you know, that are, bad mouthing the leads, for example, or don't appreciate the process we have people go through. Those are the other type of people. So out of those four that show up, by the end of 30 days, two of them will stick. And then after the following 60 and 90 day benchmarks that we put in place for them, I'll lose one of the other two. So for every four people that show up, I end up keeping one. So it's literally just like lead generation. When you think about for example, you know, you've got to generate 100 leads. Out of those 100, you'll meet with seven to eight of them and get buyer's rep signed. And then out of those seven to eight buyer rep, you're going to have three to four closings. So you, that's really how you got to kind of think about recruiting and building your bench and your talent on your team is just like lead generation, which I know a lot of people listening to this call can relate to. Yeah, I'm sure that you've applied the lead generation techniques that you did for leads for your 
real estate side where you're meeting with buyers and sellers to this idea of these agents. It sounds very, very similar. Although you're going into a deeper relationship, a much longer term relationship than you would with a buyer or seller as far as the fact that you're going to be seeing these people every day for hopefully the next 5, 10, 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. No doubt about it. And that's, and that's exactly why, like when, for example, we meet with people for the first time and we tell them, okay, we're going to give you a shot. We want you to come into our 30 day agent ramp up and we set the expectation, Hey, this 30 days, this is kind of an extension of the interview process. And at the end of the 30 days, you may want to leave, or we may tell you to leave, or we may both realize, Hey, this is a win-win. Like this is a great fit. So that's really how we kind of position things to make sure that the people on our team, like you said, are going to be people we're, we're working with for you know the next two to three decades. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealG TV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. When people first come in on your team, the agents, are they on probation for a certain period of time? We don't call it probation. We call it a 30-day agent ramp up. And there's just very specific performance standards we put in place. We do have probation. So like, for example, you know, we have very specific performance indicators that we track and that the agents have to track for themselves. And whenever somebody falls below the minimum key performance indicators, we do put them on a probationary period in which numbers don't improve, we're going to ask them to leave the team. And those key performance indicators, those were the number of contacts that they're making per week? Yeah. So like in the first 30 days, like we don't really care about you setting appointments or you getting by a rep sign, we literally just want to see how much effort are you going to apply? Because that's really what real estate's all about. It's about, about execution and applying effort. And so I'm going to know you got to apply to find success in real estate is make calls, right? Like make calls to people, get people on the phone. Setting appointments is a function of skill and that takes some time to develop. I can train people on how to improve their conversion. I can train people on how to do a great job servicing their customer, but I cannot make people apply effort. So for years, like definitely not a psychologist by any means, but what I found was I would meet people and I'd see so much potential in people. I wanted more success for them than they wanted for themselves. And so I quickly realized if I'm in that position where that person is not applying effort and it's just a function of whatever is going on internally with them, they're not a good fit for the team. So the thing we're trying to measure through that first 30 days is all function of efforts. And that's why contacts are so important. But once they're on the team and they start learning about conversion and how to turn contacts into appointments and then turn appointments into representation agreements signed and then representation agreements signed to closings, Once they've learned all those things, the KPIs are a little bit different. So, for example, we go beyond contacts once they've been on the team uh, for 30 days. We look at, for example, out of the 40 contacts you make in that week, 
you should be able to convert 8 to 12% of those. That's kind of a minimum and maximum range into appointments. So ideally, you're setting for yourself three appointments per week to meet people face-to-face. And then out of those three, you're converting half of them per week into actual representation agreements signed. So at the end of the month, you should have guaranteed a minimum of two clients that will close in your pipeline. So those are kind of the the metrics, two closings a month, 8 to 12% conversion rate from contact to face-to-face appointment, and then from face-to-face appointment to buyer rep sign, uh, between 50 and 60% conversion rate. And then from the rep signed to the closing, you should only have 15% fall off if you do a good job setting expectations and understanding what their needs and goals are. So those are all kind of the KPIs we look for once they've been on the team for more than 30 days. When you first bring a new agent in, do you have them sign a contract or an agreement with you? Absolutely. So there's a policy and procedures manual, and then we also have a position agreement. And the position agreement has all of our performance standards laid out very clearly in our position agreements. And I had a a leadership coach I worked with a year ago, and I remember him telling me, you know, as a leader, you can't manage people. There's no such thing as managing people. There's a lot of people that throw that out there that you can manage people, but you really can't. The only thing you can manage are standards. And whatever the standards are within your organization, those are the things you can manage, but you cannot manage people. Either they have the internal drive to find success or they don't. So we literally keep our, you know, we do a weekly 411 coaching meeting between our team leader and our agents. And we always refer back to that position agreement that states what the very clear expectations were from a standard perspective when they came on board. They said that meeting is weekly, the 411 meeting. And so my assumption is that the agent is bringing in a report to show what they did the prior week. You're reviewing that with them to make sure that they're staying on track. You got it, exactly. And you said that you manage standards, not people. What you're also doing is you're keeping them accountable to the agreement that they made initially, which will help them and you both achieve your goals. Exactly right. You nailed it. In that initial contract or agreement between them, I assume that you also spell out compensation. Could you tell us what you do with compensation for buyer and listing agents? Sure. So our buyer agents are, it's a sliding scale and it's kind of a function of effort. So like, for example, we have a listing client. So we have listing specialists and buyer specialists. And if we have a seller turn around and buy, and you know that's going to be a very easy deal, right? Like the seller, once their house is under contract, they're going to need to go look at four, five, six, seven houses. So there's no lead conversion time. There's not a lot of effort applied there. So it's a pretty easy transaction for our buyer agents from a time perspective. And so our buyer agents on those type of deals, they get 40% on any kind of referral type lead. Also, we have an inside sales agent that will also set appointments for a buyer agent. In that case, the buyer's agent will get 40%. Next is we also, our team generates an enormous amount of leads. And if the buyer's agent is responsible for converting that lead, so for example, they work a lead for three, six, nine months, whatever it is. 
and they convert into face-to-face appointment, get them closed on a purchase of a house, that's a 50-50 split. And then if an agent has a family, a friend, or someone from their sphere that buys a home, the agent gets to keep 60. So that's how our commission splits are structured. And I get a lot of people asking me, how on earth do you track all that? And with our system, it's very easy. So every single lead comes in, there's a a lead source assigned to it that's done automatically with our CRM. And there's no way for that to be edited. So it stays there for the life of the lead. So obviously, your influence, your family, friend, whatever, is going to have to be manually inputted. And then the agent has to select, you know, that obviously it was a fear type lead. Um, but if it came in through one of the various campaigns that we're running to generate leads, it's going to be in there forever. So our office manager, when she's doing commissions, she reviews each closing. She goes into the CRM system. She checks the source, and that's how she identifies what the commission rate's going to be. Actually, it's pretty simple and clear-cut. How about for the listing agents? Are they on the same scale, or is it different? Our listing agents are on a different scale. So we have a menu of commission options, and our call today, Mike, is not nearly long enough for me to go into the listing agent side comp structure, but basically the gist is we have a menu of commission options, and depending on what commission option the consumer selects kind of dictates what the commission is. I can tell you this, the commission goes anywhere between as low as 10% up to 40%. A 40% commission rate would be, for example, a listing agent has a friend or family member that they help in the sale of the house. A 10% would be like when a seller signs up for just our standard listing commission menu item. And you're probably thinking, wow, that's really low, right? But again, my listing agents, here's what they have at their disposal. They have two full-time assistants. One's responsible for listing management. One's responsible for contract close. They have a full-time person that's setting appointments for them, and they don't burden the cost of any of those people. You know, they don't have any office expenses. They don't have any lead generation expenses. They literally wake up in the morning. They look at the calendar. They see all the appointments they have to go on. They prepare for them. They get the listing agreement signed. They turn them in, and then they move on to the next one. So my listing agents all make six figures, even though they, for example, the commission could be only 10% on a deal. They're able to do high volume. That's right. It's all through leveraging the team. Well, Chris, thank you so much for walking us through how you find a great agent for your team, how you put them into your system, get them up and running, and also get them compensated and keep them accountable uh, so that they are productive. And one last question there, just to clarify, my understanding was on the buyer agents, at least your, your minimum production goal was two closings per month. Is that correct? Correct. And on the listing agents, do they have a minimum goal each month? So for listing agents, the minimum is six closings per month. And they've got, so everybody, we give our, our buyer agents and our listing agents six months to scale up to those numbers. We do expect in the first 90 days, they'll have a deal executed at minimum. But by month six, they should be in full swing. You mentioned earlier, you put together a book on the lessons that you've learned in putting together teams, these highly productive teams. Could you tell us the name of the book and what's in it? Yeah, sure. So the book's called The Million Dollar Real Estate Team. 
And I didn't really write the book to sell books and make money. I had somebody a couple of years ago tell me we had done something really special. Between 2010 and the following three years after that, so summer of 2010 to the summer of 2013, I had netted a million dollars after all expenses. And I didn't really think anything of it at the time. But as I started getting involved kind of more on a national level with like, you know, different types of coaching programs and met other people in the industry, a lot of people, they said, I don't know of anybody that scaled the team model that fast and had a million dollars. And so when I learned that, I was like, well, I was curious to see if I could do this in another city. And there wasn't really a, a roadmap out there to help people scale the team model. There's some other books out there, but they don't really get like super granular. And of course, like technology and a lot of things have changed in the last seven years. And so I, I worked, um, I actually met somebody that I ended up partnering with in Amarillo, Texas, which is a small town in the Panhandle. And she was doing, you know, roughly 30 deals a year. And in her first full year, she grew 300%. And I was like, man, this is pretty awesome. I think this kind of roadmap that I had kind of built just from failing forward. I think this, this actually, there's some merit to this and it works. And I then, I met another guy that I helped kind of build a team in San Antonio. So we partnered and this guy wasn't from San Antonio. He was from Lubbock actually. Didn't know a single person in San Antonio, but him and his wife really wanted to move to the hill country. And this guy, kind of had all the internal core values that I look for. And I could tell very quickly, he's such a talented guy. I kind of did a little test run with him here in Austin. I apologize. I'm going on a tangent here, Mike, but I put him on kind of a test run working with clients here in Austin and he just crushed it. And in a matter of three months, I was like, you need to go build up your own team. And, and so he and I partnered. And so that was literally summer of last Year, and he's doing a hundred thousand a month in DCI right now. It's amazing. So, long story short, I had two kind of big successes um, outside of Austin, partnering with two people, and I had a lot of friends tell me, you know, you really should share kind of your story and your journey of building the team because there's really nothing out there that really breaks it down step by step. The kind of the stages you go through as you build a team, and you know, I guess the thing that I did, I excelled that was I got really good at learning to embrace failure. I guess I was just more willing to fail more than most people. I heard uh, Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank say, you know, you almost have to be kind of stupid to be an entrepreneur because you got to get punched 99 times in the face and be willing to get up that 100th time to find success. And so I guess that probably is a good example of what things looked like for me in the beginning stages of building a team. I just got punched in the face all the time and kept learning what not to do. And so in the book, I mean, I totally talk about all the things I sucked at and all the things that didn't work. And I also talk about, you know, all the things that did work. And the book basically breaks the team down into like three stages of growth. As you go through each stage, there's very specific levers you have to push to like grow. And so that's kind of the basis of what the book is about. And I wrote the book because I wanted to find more people like Dad in San Antonio and Lori in Amarillo 
to partner with across the US. I mean, it's literally been game-changing and more rewarding than I could have ever imagined, you know, working with people and, and helping them build and grow like a huge business and totally transform and change their life. I can't even tell you how rewarding it's been. So I, um, I wrote the book with the purpose of hopefully finding other people to partner with in the U.S. And people are probably wondering, what, what does that mean to partner? So basically, I created a franchise system and I basically give all the key ingredients to a partner to go and build a team. So literally they can copy and paste every single thing I've already created with the goal in mind of scaling and growing the team significantly faster than if they did it on their own. So that's kind of the reason behind the madness of writing a book and you know, trying to help other people grow a team and, and build a team as fast as they can. This book, is it designed for agents who are brand new or veterans? I think if you're brand new to the business, I think it's a really great way to learn, you know, what the future can look like because you get to a point in your career as an individual agent where you kind of go from become kind of like, there's that saying, jack of all trades, master of none, right? You kind of end up having to wear a lot of different hats and be like the CXO of your business, right? Like CEO, CMO, CFO, like there's all these different kind of pillars you got to manage. And so you kind of come to a crossroads after a while of crushing it as an individual agent where you might want to decide to go from kind of captain everything to an ownership mentality. So this book kind of helps you in terms of when you get to that crossroads and you're thinking, do I keep going as an individual practitioner, as an agent, or do I go build a traditional brokerage or go build a brokerage using the team model, right? So it kind of helps, I think, context of what's going to be coming up in the future as a new agent in the industry. And then I think for veterans out there, if you are at that point where you know your market, you have gone amazing at the sales process, you know exactly you know what you can do to differentiate and add just a significant amount of value to the transaction to help your clients build lifetime value and raving fans that keep coming back and send you referrals. You've got all that dialed in and you're at this point in your career where you're like, you know, I'm tired of missing my kids' baseball games at nighttime and, or, you know, in the evenings, weekends, whatever, you know, I'm tired of answering the phone at, at dinner at six o'clock. I'd really like to get into a more of an ownership mentality and really focus on the business and not be in the business. I think this would be an incredible book to help provide some insight into how you could get there. You mentioned a minute ago that one of the purposes of writing the book to help you find other folks around the country to partner with. You're doing some expansion models and so forth. The question I have for you is, is the book written so that someone who is not interested in partnering or or just doesn't necessarily want to go down that path, can they learn from this book as well? Absolutely. You know, like literally the book doesn't make any mention of our system that we built and put in place to help people. Literally every single tactical thing in that book is not contingent on you joining our network, if you will. There's just tons of little nuggets in there and very specific tactical things you can do to grow your business. Actually, if if you do end up buying the book, 
you'll get an invitation to join a private Facebook group. And within this Facebook group, I've got hundreds of people that are regularly asking questions through this Facebook group. And I have no affiliation with them whatsoever. They're at competing brokerages and franchises and whatnot. And it's really just a place to mastermind and and share. So I think anybody that knows me well enough knows I, I come from a mindset of abundance. I think that the industry is constantly evolving and innovating. And really the only key difference between me and anyone else out there, it's just all about execution and taking massive action. So I am completely transparent in the book, literally every single failure. And then the things that, that we had massive success with, I lay out very clearly in the book. And there's literally not a single word in the entire book that you'll run across that has any kind of sales pitch in it that says you should join our franchise system. There's literally not a single word about it. Um, So anyways, I think no matter who reads the book, whether you're a new agent or veteran, you're going to find massive value in it. And I've been getting incredible testimonials from people that have been buying the book. I think you can probably go online and go read them for yourself. But um, so, yeah. Well, Chris, in my head, I kind of parallel it to what happened over a decade ago where Gary Keller was looking to expand Keller Williams and he put together the Red Book. I'm trying to remember, I think it was the Millionaire Real Estate Agent's name of the book. And it had a lot of great information that if you had joined the Keller Williams, you could certainly apply it. But if you were outside of Keller Williams, you could use all the information as well. And it sounds to me that your book is put together in a similar fashion. Yeah, I think, you know, Gary Keller's book was excellent. I funny mentioned that I got that as a uh, gift when I graduated college. And I mean, some incredible insight in there. And I mean, just some, yeah, the, the information there is amazing. I, you know, again, I, at the time of me kind of switching from the traditional brokerage model to team model, I didn't really realize in the moment what I was doing. And I remember the red book, but I didn't do a very good job studying it until I failed on my face enough times. But I think the difference probably between that book and ours is it's very much like my, it was my journey of building a team and the challenges I ran across and the very unique stages of growth you go through as you're building the team model. And, you know, the, the problems you face between doing, for example, 50 to 150 deals are drastically different than the challenge you have when you do 300 to 400 deals. And then when you get to 500 deals, a whole other set of problems. So I think it's a much more uh, detailed kind of journey into building a team. I think the, I can't speak for Gary because I, I don't personally know Gary, but this was, again, I, I believe if I'm not mistaken, Gary was very much in the brokerage business of recruiting agents. And it was more about agent count and less about agent productivity. And for us, it was more about agent productivity than agent count, right? So everything from a tactical perspective throughout the book is all about how to help your agents, you know, be more productive. There's a huge chapter in there about recruiting and finding talent and getting the right people on the bus, but it's 80% about how to help your team grow and do more. Well, Chris, I do have a confession. I have a copy of your book, The Million Dollar Real Estate Team. And just so folks know, I took a look through it, and it is very meaty. There is a lot in here 
It's over 200 pages, very few pictures, a lot of information. And it goes on beyond just putting together, say, the structure of the players on the team. There's a lot about marketing. Like I'm looking here at the mother of all open houses and Facebook ads and and how to get things going, a sphere of influence, all kinds of things about lead generation. Although it does go into a lot of information about teams as well. I'm looking at virtual assistant tasks list, a buyer agent team lead task, buyer agent team lead characteristics. I'm just flipping through pages here. Something else I liked in your book was a lot of, you have these little breakout sections where you say, how to screw this up, how to screw it up. So the things that went wrong, and hopefully people can learn from you before they make those mistakes. So actually, I, I think the book has a lot of merit. And, uh, and I don't typically spend this much time talking about a product or a book, but I think that people should take a look at this and see if it would help them. Where could they do that? If they wanted to pursue this book, where could they get a copy? Where do you recommend they go? So we have a, a landing page put up for the, the order of the book. The book was just published in June, and it's going to be going on Amazon this fall. But if you want to order the book right now, you can go to wirbook.com. You can order the book there. It'll be shipped to you within a couple of days. It comes super fast. And then, yeah, sometime later this fall, we'll have it on Amazon and Kindle and available on audio. So uh, depending on when you listen to this interview, you can go to either one of those sources. But as of right now, August of 2017, wirbook.com is where you can go to uh, get a copy of it. What does the WIR stand for? The franchise, the company as a whole is Waters International Realty and WIR Systems. That's kind of our, you know, licensed content and all of our, you know, licensed kind of intellectual property, if you will, that has kind of helped us develop the roadmap to scale the team model very quickly. So that's basically what we let our franchisees kind of copy and paste, if you will. Much like when you set up at McDonald's, we give our partners every single key ingredient. They don't have to think twice about what to implement. They just can go execute and uh, they can grow very, very quickly, just focused on the execution, not on the, you know, like, for example, I keep saying the failing forward aspect that I dealt with in 2010, 11, 12, 13, they just execute. They're all proven systems that work. And that's what our partners can, yeah, literally they just copy and paste it and go to town and do what it takes to dominate their market. Excellent. Well, Chris, thank you so much for sharing your ideas on team building, team development, as well as the book. I've come to the end of the questions that I have for you today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? I think one of the most misunderstood things in real estate and specific to like building a company and team is the idea of leadership. I think anybody listening to this call, if you, you know, are having any kind of limiting belief around the idea of, you know, for example, when I talked about the bases, you have to run, hit the home run. When you think about the, the cycle of real estate, if you're caught up, thinking I'm not a good marketer or I'm not a good salesperson or whatever the limiting belief is, literally the X factor that conquers whatever that limiting belief is boils down to leadership. And that's just about putting other people's success before your own. 
and building a team of people that you're 100% committed to helping coach and helping them find success in their career. And so anybody listening to this call, I think, you know, reading books like Good to Great, Five Dysfunctions of a Team, God, there's so many, so many leadership books out there, John Maxwell, if you can really hone any one specific thing, it really boils down to leadership because it will conquer whatever limiting belief you might have around, like I said, sales coaching, training, conversion, marketing, it trumps everything. Well, Chris, you've demonstrated your leadership acumen. After failing to achieve your agent productivity goals, you pivoted, changed strategy, and built a new team that's five times more productive than your original team with the same number of people by focusing on culture, core values, and leadership. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 140 homes last year worth 32 million by focusing on repeat and referrals. Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.